What is the Podcast Matrix? The Podcast Matrix is your source for podcast media hosting. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. When you hear the words Friday the 13th, what do you think of? While most will recollect a certain impossible-to-be-killed masked individual bearing sharp weapons of all kinds, there's another Friday the 13th that deserves attention. In 1987, Friday the 13th, the series, created a rich tapestry of completely original storytelling. Based on a series of curious, devilishly enchanted objects that must be recovered and returned to the vault to prevent truly dark fates from befalling their owners. This is the detailed revisit and review of the adventures of their reacquisition. Episode by episode. You won't find any hockey masks here. This is the Curious Goods Podcast from Two Guys Talking Horror. What is the point of reviewing a dead show? A dead show that hasn't aired an episode in over 30 years? A dead show that can't be watched on any of the numerous streaming platforms available? Why would any reviewer, whether it be through video, audio, or print, take the time to critique something like that? There are actually three answers. The first, nostalgia for the property. Second, the love for creative storytelling. Lastly, and most vital, is fan base interaction. We'll be covering each of these answers in detail as we prepare ourselves for the third and final season of The Dead Show that has nothing to do with campgoers, crystal lakes, or hockey masks. It's time for the 301 episode of the Curious Goods Podcast, a retelling, a revisit, and always educational detailing of each and every episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Greetings, everybody. I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Nick, some quick housekeeping. Boy, have we got awesome things cooking for season three. Interviews galore with authors and a star from the show. Spoilers. For those that are unaware, we're going to have on Elise Wax, who's written a fantastic book that we've paged through and just, I, I can't wait to talk to her. She's been writing inside a fandom for years and is going to shower us with all kinds of awesome about pop culture when it comes to this program. The detail inside of the book is phenomenal. We're going to have her on. We're also going to be honored to feature John LeMay. For those of you that are curious, yes, that is, it's Ryan. Anyway, those two interviews and more are coming inside of Season 3, as well as our collective creative content coming your way, filled with all kinds of awesome cursed goods from Friday the 13th, the series. Look for all of this soon. All right, enough housekeeping. It's time to jump straight in to the 301 for the Curious Goods Podcast. Previously, on Friday the 13th, the series. For you longtime listeners, or if this is your first episode of the Curious Goods Podcast, and why, get, go back to the beginning, man. 
Why do you start with the 301? It's, it's only a couple hours. All you got to do right. is listen oh, to it. Oh, yeah. No, it, you can knock it won't, out. It won't take any time. You can knock it out in a week, I tell you. Barely an inconvenience. Cross-country drive back and forth, you'd be able to take <laughs> care of it. The premise of this show is Louis Vonderdy, evil man, made a deal with the devil to serve his evil master. Hail Satan. He sells cursed antiques. And, of course, all these antiques have some sort of gimmick to them, uh, the, the way that they work or or how to get the power from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some strange reason, Lewis just can't deal with it anymore and breaks the deal. The devil calls him home in a fiery blaze, and his antique shop is inherited by his distant relatives, evidently the only two. I don't even understand how Mickey and Ryan became the two who inherit the shop when there are other relatives out there. But again, that's not important, right? Well, Mickey and Ryan don't want to run an antique store, so they sell everything. But they are met by one Jack Marshak, man of action, who tells them, oh, you stupid kids, all of these things are cursed. Lewis made a deal with the devil, and now we have to get all of these things back. And that's the show. The show is the reacquisition of the cursed antiques from the hands of people who would use them for nefarious and maybe not so nefarious purposes. So throughout season one and two, Lewis has been trying to get back to the land of the living. Why he would have sent himself to hell in the first place again, that's not important right now. What is important is the fact that Lewis wants out and every attempt he has made has been thwarted by our brave and intrepid heroes. Now, throughout the first two seasons, we have learned a lot. We've learned that Ryan had a brother who was tragically killed by an automobile accident. We learned that Mickey had a fiance and because of her due diligence to find these cursed antiques has lost said fiance. He was an asshole anyway, so it really doesn't matter. Jack, we learn a lot about Jack that not only did he have a son, but he lost that son to the occult. He was also a kick-ass World War II vet Mm -hmm. who took on Nazis that were into the occult as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. And a whole bunch of other great things about these characters. Also, the other takeaway from season two, uh, we meet Johnny Ventura. But that's not important right now. Right now. But will be very important very soon. Agreed. So whether this is your first episode of the Curious Goods podcast and slash Friday the 13th, the series, or you're a longtime listener, now you're completely caught up and you'll be able to understand the show. You're welcome. During the intro to this episode, Mike promised that we would touch upon three reasons why we are reviewing this show. It's almost like a pitchfork. It is exactly like a pitchfork, Mike. It is a pitchfork attack to Friday the 13th. It's a pitchfork of perfection for the series. How many more P words can we fit into a sentence? Perfect. The first one is nostalgia. Ah, nostalgia. Who doesn't love some nostalgia inside this show? Especially for me, for those of you that have forgotten, I'll fill you in once more. I started watching this show with my dad back in the late 1980s. And due to unforeseen circumstances, both in regard to my being an 18-year-old headstrong man and my bonus mom's urging, 
I left my house. <laughs> and so I never finished this show. Mm. So what that means is that finishing this show will not only close the chapter of my life now that my dad's gone, but it will also give me the ability to finish this story. Because yeah. unlike probably everybody listening to this podcast, I don't have any idea what happens. I mean, like, seriously. I think I got to uh, probably well, it would have had to have been right after Mesmer's Bobble because I remember Mesmer's Bobble originally. Yeah. And then the rest of the episodes, I don't ever remember seeing those. So this is, it's it's the bookend. It's the bookend of nostalgia, but then also just being able to finish a story that started more than 30 years ago for me that I'll just now be able to finish. The nostalgia factor for me is I grew up watching this show on Saturday nights on KPLR Channel 11, back before it was branded the WB and then rebranded the CW. And as a small child who probably shouldn't have been up that late watching something like that, I didn't know what I was watching half the time. Right. All I knew is that, ooh, this is creepy, and wow, wasn't that a cool effect? I had no interest in the storytelling aspect. Mm -hmm. And you start as you get older, you start understanding other facets. But now as an adult, being able to go back and rewatch that and then sit next to, figuratively, sit next to, you know, nine-year-old me and kind of compare notes. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, yeah, wasn't that cool? Yeah, that was cool. But then I get to tell my younger self, you know how they did that mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah. The nostalgia for me is is what drove me to really want to not only review the show, but review the show in a serious way. Mm -hmm. Yes, our, our retells for the episodes are done in a humorous way, but that's because we want to give the listeners who can't watch the show the gist of the episode, but then not bore them to yeah, death with it, uh, it, the details. It's an attention-holding device. Exactly. There's no question. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because for those of you that have been listening to us for a long time since the beginning, if you're curious as to how it would work if it wasn't cute and fun and tucked in with in-jokes here and there, well, we've got some samples of that for you as right, well. Yeah, go back, dry and, shit. go back and re-listen to like maybe the first <laughs> seven or eight episodes where we were trying to be a legitimate <sighs> review show. Yeah, yeah. Frustrating. Very frustrating. frustrating, I think. But again, it's a podcast, just like TV shows. We evolve. We, yeah. we kick out the things that aren't working, and we improve upon the things that are. I want to give you a quick splash of, of fun that's coming as well. We're going to go back and revisit those. I don't know when, but we're going to go back and we're going to revisit the ones that are done the mm. old way, and then we're going to re revisit them the new way. Right. And they'll, they'll have the benefit of being redone with the most experience to look back at those episodes so that, ironically, the very first series of episodes will probably have the best storytells. Oh, yes, because they'll, they'll be the last ones that we end up doing. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. The second piece of the three-pronged pitchfork perfection attack that Nick referred to previously is creative storytelling. I love this show because they lean hard on cursed antiques. Mm -hmm. Almost, I almost wish that they would lean harder in that while I'm appreciative of the storytelling, especially inside of the Jack Marshak cone of storytelling, right. uh, I love the finding out of the detail of things like these. Reminds me of the old days of the original white-covered Marvel Encyclopedia of Characters. 
volumes that you could buy. Yeah, I remember those. And those were phenomenal because, true, you could go and read about any single Marvel character for as long as you want to get all the vital details because there was no internet back then. That was the, that was the get. But there was a source for all of that information. That's what these episodes have become for these cursed antique items. And that's, I, I, I thirst for more. Yeah. It's why you and I even bother talking about a reboot or a revisit to this show professionally inside of a cone of production someplace because it's strong. It's incredibly strong and can only grow because the way fandom works now and that it would include an entire cone of this kind of pseudo pop culture thing that I think would be incredibly received inside of today's modern streaming workplace. Yeah. And I, I know that in some of our episodes, we have been very critical on the storytelling, but that's because the majority of this show is so good where the creative storytelling is concerned. Uh, we've got a better story than we got a better item. Yeah. And sometimes it's vice versa. Sometimes mm-hmm. you've got a really cool item and your story just sucks. Yeah. Or maybe even that a, a character either just wasn't, it felt like it was just kind of inserted. Mm, yes. Or it wasn't fully developed or didn't have the time to develop. That's yeah. actually happened quite a bit in season two. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, creative storytelling makes the world go round, not just inside this show, but any televised program, a feature film, or streaming media. The storytelling's got to be on point and on front. The final pinpoint of the pitchfork plan that Nick was referring to as we started this episode is, of course, you guys. The fan base. Mm -hmm. I don't know that I have seen a richer tapestry of fans of all ages glom onto a property. And it makes me understand not only why I don't understand how this is not streaming someplace. Yeah. But what I also don't understand is why this has never been revisited like even a thought. There have been several episodes inside of a number of different programs that have kind of glommed onto the concept of a thing that is possessed, either by the devil or by witchery or blah, whatever it is. Yeah. But what has never happened is there's never been anything dedicated to something like this. I don't think we've ever talked about it as we've been recording, but inside of our pre- and post-ambles inside of discussion, we have talked about a series called Warehouse 13 that was on for a good number of seasons. My dad loved that program. I never got into it, Mm. and I think it was because it was based on sci-fi, and back then it's when shows went to sci-fi to be sure to solicit a whole bunch of interest and then die instantaneous fiery deaths and have no end to them. And so I chose to not intake most of those because the only thing less satisfying than having to wait 30 plus years like I have inside of this for this show is if there never was an end and the show just nothing. That is easily one of the most frustrating pieces of being an entertainment critic is when a show or a feature film or something just never has a legitimate end to a story tell. But it just shows that a premise like this, especially with the fan base that's already here, that's young and old, would instantly latch on. Yeah. Where fan bases are concerned, it doesn't necessarily matter how popular the show was or now is. Mm -hmm. The fan base interaction for this show, and I'm not talking about our podcast, I'm talking about Friday the 13th, the series, I feel is a closer-knit group because we're, we're it. Unless you own the DVD box set, 
or know somebody who does, you can't watch the show. No soup for you. So yeah, so totally. you're constantly communicating back and forth, sharing stories of, oh, I remember that episode, yeah. So, so again, fan base. One of the, if not the most important reason why we do this show for you. On a semi-regular basis, regularly. All right, well, we've detailed why we're doing this show. Just like in our regular episodes, it's time for the goods and the bads. The difference is that what we're going to be talking about inside the goods for our season launching 301 are the good episodes of season two. Now, this season was really excellent because not only did we have four double ten episodes, but we also had four double nine episodes episodes Mm. and usually we stick to just three goods three bads but because we had four double tens we're gonna jump into all of those let's get to it season two episode four tales i live heads you die what a phenomenal episode based on the ever always present coin flip mm-hmm. that instantly takes us into just <laughs> dreamy storytelling inside yeah. of that episode. Now, the, the, the characters are so incredibly robust for that, and I, I really enjoyed that episode. Evil cult of witches using again, a, yes, that's right. Yeah, You're absolutely evil right. cult of yeah. Uh, totally separate than from the one in uh, in it, the season two finale. Yeah, Coven of Darkness. Coven of Darkness. Uh-huh. No connection to Louis Vonderdee at no all. No relation. No relation. But this was another Coven of Witches who were attempting to resurrect three of their old order, and the cursed coin gave them the abilities to do that. The rolling in of witches also gives you another peek at a culture that. I don't. I just don't think anybody's familiar with it all. Right. Again, it's it's far more than pointy hats and brooms and warts on a nose. Well, yeah, but if we were going to get this particular episode, this group was probably as close to pointy hats, brooms, and warts on noses as as right. you're going to get in yeah, this show. Yeah. Uh, supposedly, because again, season three, we haven't gone through season three, and I don't remember all the episodes from season three. That was a long time ago. But this one, the the whole use of the coin to save Mickey, because we actually had a main character die, and a cursed item was used for resurrection. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time anything like that has ever happened, and I think that added to the gravitas of the episode. Season 2, Episode 12. The This one runs hot and heavy inside of just about every organized fan group that we're a part of, whether it be on Facebook or on the internet. Right, yeah. This one is almost always mentioned. And Mm -hmm. it's, one, because of the production design that's shared inside of this episode. I mean, it's it's just so on point. Oh, yeah. Uh, The the other thing is some very richly played storytelling and, and the inclusion of children, which instantly usually Mike Wilkerson reviles. But inside of this one, (laughs) score. Giant, total on point. Right, right. The fact that it's children finding other children to feed to this playhouse to keep it functioning so that they can live a better life than their mother is offering them. Yeah. There are a lot of, it's got a lot of layers 
And I think that's that's why it was complicated. Yeah. It wasn't a straightforward episode. Mm-hmm. Funny thing, though, it is the only episode of Friday the 13th, the series, where nobody dies mm. from the cursed item. Mm-hmm. Because all of the children who had been sucked into the playhouse and eaten, and, right. and eaten well, evidently they were stored. Yeah. Were all released and returned back home. So again, it's it's this episode could have been like super serious, dark. Mm-hmm. Like none of these children are ever coming home again. And you've got these two kids who have literally fed a whole bunch of neighborhood kids to this cursed dollhouse. Mm-hmm. But we don't get that. And 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 I remember talking about this during the actual episode. I don't know which I like better, the really dark aspect that could have been, or what we got. Because both of them could be compelling. Or both, well, I mean, the, the episode is compelling. But the other way could also be compelling as well. Season 2, episode 19. The Butcher. An extra special, fun episode here that includes, of course... Jack Marshak, Man of Action. And the Nazis! Evil, occult-worshipping Nazis. When in doubt, insert Nazis in Jack Marshak, because this was just such a tasty episode. Again, I have not seen nor experienced season three at all, but if there could somehow be a revisit, I would love for there to be a revisit to something that is the same ice cream that this is, because it's so incredibly delicious. Yeah. I, something that we have talked about, and I know we, we talked about it in our 201 episode, of the prospect of... Villains, reoccurring villains, and I know we've brought it up before. Mm -hmm. This was an episode where you're you're introduced to Roush, you know the the super soldier powered by evil dark magic by the Nazis Mm -hmm. who who comes back for revenge, but also takes on a civilian identity as a radio shock jock that's about to start running for office. Mm -hmm. Now, wouldn't it be interesting if? That character wasn't dispatched by the end of the episode, but continued to plague our heroes, specifically Jack Marshak, throughout another number of episodes to where maybe his political aspirations got bigger and bigger and our team couldn't touch him. It's like they know he's evil. He's powered by a a cursed item, but they can't get to him. They can't touch him. And I, I find those thoughts fueling my need for wanting to foster something remake reboot based Mm -hmm. where the show is concerned because there are so many bad guys slash groups slash cursed items that could constantly turn back up again and give our heroes more and more trouble fighting the good fight yeah and again if it was going to be something directly as a follow-up to this show I would love it if somehow, if it's not that guy, then it's somebody that's related to Roush mm. that has fallen into the same cone of, I shall have my grandfather's revenge or whatever it's going to be. It would be great to be able to spin that blanket and have the story follow through with some sort of legend like that. I, I would love that. And again, this was it was easily one of the strongest episodes of the entire series, not just last season. Season 2, Episode 20. Mesmer's Bobble. Ah, you knew somehow it was going to sneak into the land of Wilkerson. Well, here we are again. (laughs) 
And for those of you that have forgotten, I will gladly share just how intimate I loved this episode. Well, yeah, a little too intimate. <laughs> this is such a great episode. Not just because it scores us all an incredible vision of the ultra-gorgeous, always present inside of the Wilkerson brain, Vanity. Oh, yeah, the show. That's right. Okay, uh, Mesmer's Bobble. What didn't it have? <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, I mean, that's what the thing. Did it, it, it not had have? everything that you could want it, in a story, not only an episode of Friday the 13th, but just storytelling in general. It has everything inside the tapestry of quality storytelling that I love. Mm. And it is another one that somehow, you know, with CG, wouldn't it be cool to revisit that one? It, it just I would love I think that the effects in this episode practical that they are are stellar but if we remade this episode a marriage of practical effects with digital effects would make it even creepier oh yeah yeah again if I had to point everybody to an episode inside of season two to go back and listen to and experience the detail of what we love to pick on and tell people about and share inside of this program. Episode 20 of season two Mesmer's Bobble is the best sample of it. And because it's so engaging and vanities in it. Nick, did I mention vanities in that show? Who? All right. Well, there you have it. There's the highest rated episodes inside of season two of Friday, the 13th, the series for Nick and I, we're curious, though, because, you know, these are great episodes. And while I'd like to think that nobody can argue that, there's someone out there that thinks that we missed something. I'm sure So they do. let us know what you think by going over to our website over at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the quick web form and tell us what episode you thought should have been inside of the listing of the highest rated episodes for season two of Friday the 13th, the series. Season 2 of Friday the 13th, the series, is filled with good episodes and bad episodes. We've covered the good ones. Now let's take a look at the not-so-good episodes. Our third lowest episode is... Season 2, Episode 18... A Friend to the End! So this one was slightly divisive. Uh, I rated it a 5. Mike rated it a three. And for the, those of you who do not remember A Friend of the End. Good. <laughs> <laughs> your, your collective brain is almost on the same wavelength as Wilkerson brain. This episode could have been good because no. it had, it could have been. No. It could have been because let us not forget the Medusa shard. Everything revolving around the Medusa <laughs> shard and the world of art and our villainous of the episode was really great, but it was overshadowed by Mickey's nephew who finds the ghostly vampire resurrection boy in the abandoned house down the street. Big red F with a red marker. That's all I've got. Right. There were so many missteps where this episode was concerned and whew, it's not night hunger. (laughs) Which, ironically enough, was rated higher than this episode. Well, that was a decent episode with a crappy name. Well, see, that's where we disagreed. You liked Night Hunger. I hated Night Hunger. But again, (laughs) we did not rate it low enough for it to be on our list. It beat out A Friend of the End just barely. 
A friend to the end wasn't was not. <laughs> How I wish we would have had an episode that just focused on the Medusa shard, yes, and not the resurrection coffin. No question, no question at all. But I will say this: this is the first time in this episode was the first time we we were we gleaned any of the Satan worshippers who followed Louis Vanderdee. So one would think that. The, the old couple that got the coffin in this movie to resurrect that child uh, were probably associated with the coven of darkness in the uh, the final episode of season two. Look, all I can say is I was coffin while I was watching this episode because it was terrible. Great. Dad jokes. What a way to end this. Our second Lotus rated episode is season two, episode one. Doorway to hell! Now, we were of one mind on this one. We both rated this a four. Yeah. This was the follow-up to season one's Bottle of Dreams season finale clip show, <sighs> in which Lewis, continuing his onslaught of wanting to get out of hell, <laughs> lures Mickey and Ryan to his home, which is also littered with portals to hell and shit like that <laughs> shit like that is all over this episode. yeah i mean yes. this episode again it's it <laughs> when you think of a season opener you want to start strong because you want people to keep coming back to your show and now if a you know bottle of dreams was any indication it's not a lot of people would be coming back because that was a horrible way to end the first bottle season of, of a show. shit there you go and doorway to hell kind of continues that trend but it's not as bad as a clip show that's the, the, pretty much that's the only thing that i can say about this is it's not as bad as a clip show and the number one lowest rated episode of the second season is season two episode 21 wedding in black holy cow uh, I think I have a couple of black eyes even remembering this episode. It's the, the it black eye because we terrible. beat ourselves into unconsciousness with <laughs> the cursed snow globe oh, just so that we globe. could forget. Oh. I rated this a two. You rated this a one. Yeah, bring bring the bring the rolls around real quick. The bends. So that we can jump in the car and find the edge of the snow globe. I don't think so. Sorry. The thing that I no find no globe for you. Well, the thing I find funny about this is on all of our social media accounts, when they knew we were about <laughs> to in, review this one, oh, it's they so were good. They, they were so, oh my god, this was it's, one of my favorite episodes you're, you're of going, season two. You're going to love this episode, guys. And and <laughs> no. we we're like, I don't know what the hell you're all talking about. <laughs> I don't either. They've and been enchanted even, by the devil. Right. That's what they have been. You have been cursed by the devil. <laughs> uh, the thing is, though, is that we asked. We asked for feedback. Tell us what we're missing here because we don't see why this is everybody's favorite episode. And the thing is, though, nobody had anything to say. No. Because... Uh, Well, I take that back. What we did get was, you're not wrong. Right. right. Because (laughs) we didn't just say, wow, this episode is shit. We pointed out why this episode doesn't work. Correct. We, we, We did get feedback on that. It was like, I can't argue with with your points because you are right. Those those things happened. But nobody ever said, oh, you're completely and totally wrong. And this is why the episode is so great. Nobody, nobody. 
ever came back to defend the episode. So I'm just going to have to believe that our review opened everybody's eyes and that we have dashed all of their hopes and dreams because they now remember how bad the episode really was. It got a one because it sucked. <laughs> Period. Paragraph. I gave it a two because Mickey's hair was on point. It's not why it got a two. I my, can't even remember why I gave it a two. My hair is on point, so I give it a one. <laughs> well, those were our lowest rated episodes for season two. But we want to know, are there other episodes that should have been on this list? Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com. Fill out the contact form and tell us your opinion on the lowest of the low of season two. Normally, this is where we would take a break, but uh, since this is the 301, we're just going to push right through and jump into our manifest moments. Now, normally, our manifest moment would have something specific to do with the episode that we watched, but since this is kind of a season review slash season three ramp up, we're going to talk about our manifest moment for the entirety of season two. And because this is the 301, I'm going to ask Mike, what do you got? Vanity, 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 vanity. <laughs> Wow, because that was a surprise. Yeah, I, as much as I don't want to be subtle and tell everybody that Mesmer's Bobble, Vanity, 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 Vanity. As much as I want to do that, I'm not gonna. Without question, this season's moment, especially for me, was from The Butcher. Mm. And it's where we start the development, the true development of one of the characters that is, I, I really do think he's just forgotten about. It's Jack Marshak. Mm. There, there is a tapestry of knowledge that is built with his character the whole series so far. And you know he's always there. You know that his legendary library of leather-bound books is there. You know that the incredible fire hazard of news clippings that are lying about the shop someplace, mm. if not the entire basement next to the, next to the vault is filled with these news clippings that have been collected for however many years so that he can go and access them at a whim whenever he needs to. I'd love to know more about the pseudo-Jack Marshak Dewey Decimal System so that he puts it all into order. <laughs> right. But that episode is epic in regard to detailed background story building for Jack Marshak. And I, I love the pride that I feel watching that episode in regard to Jack. Uh, I hate watching all of his friends die. Right, yeah. But those stories that are built, you know, it reminds me very much of like the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where who wasn't ready to watch all that? And the first two seasons I thought were really, really good of that show. It's the same concept. I would love to go back and, and watch the extraordinary tales of Jack Marshak and Squad. Right. Without question, when I go back and I think about season two, I think of nothing but Jack Marshak inside of this episode and the legend that is created for Jack Marshak that, at least so far, is not followed up on. I think my manifest moment for season two would have to revolve around more of the well-thought-out items. Mm, that's a good one. We definitely had better cursed 
antiques oh. in this season. Yeah. And if the antiques weren't the selling point, it was definitely what they were doing. Where the antiques are concerned, the antique and the person using them. Because, you know, it's just an item. It, it, literally, it's just it, an inanimate object that has been cursed by the devil. Great. It's how it's used. So I think, especially since we had so many high-rated episodes for this season, you know, four double tens, four double nines. We had a lot of them that were in the eights and then the sevens are just average. Mm -hmm. But still, we had a lot of high-rated episodes. Mm -hmm. And I think most of those had to do with the fact that our character, call them the villain or not, depending on how severe they were, I think it revolves around the marriage between a really creative cursed item mm -hmm. and a well-thought-out antagonist. Mm -hmm. You put those two together, you have gold. Mm -hmm. And I think we had more of that this season than we did in season one. I agree. Not, not, not to knock season one. Season one mm -hmm. was great. I love season one. Mm -hmm. But damn, we had some really great villains this season. And that's where we ask you, what was your overall season two manifest moment for Friday the 13th, the series? We want to know. Head on over to our website at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com, fill out the web form, and tell us your Season 2 Manifest Moment. Now before we end our episode and dive headfirst into the entirety of Season 3, I'd like to take a moment and chat with you, Mike, about what your hopes and speculations for Season 3 are. Because you know nothing of season three. Correct. All your your experience is season one and two. So what you have seen, what do you hope to see or think you will see in season three moving forward? More vanity. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint you. Damn. Okay. All right. So no She's no one more of the few actors that did not get recycled for this show. <laughs> recycled. <laughs> oh, you know. If I have to look at season one and two and wonder what's going to happen inside of three, what I hope for are some more richly told stories that give us some more backfill for each of the characters mm. that gives us something tangible, like the story we got inside the butcher for Jack Marshak. Yeah. That isn't just a past college friend for Mickey or a sadly dashed against the waves and rocks broken heart girlfriend for Ryan. Yeah. I, w I want something more. There, there was a, there was a bit of a bit of that going on for Ryan's father previously. Yeah. In season one's episode pipe dream with the, uh, the cursed yeah. antique pipe. Yeah. 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 I, I, I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And it's because it's backfill. Yeah. We and haven't gotten something like that for Mickey yet. Right. Well, and I, I think doubly so in that, not only did essentially Mickey have superpowers at the end of season two that were then stripped away from her. <laughs> right. But we don't have anything that I would call a legitimate backfill story for her that doesn't fall into one of the sad categories of previous boyfriend that gets cursed and is and or dead. A previous college friend that comes to visit and dies. You know, it, yeah. th 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 that's pretty much the backfill for her. And I want something more... Uh, beyond, yes, she's got magical powers, I, which I wasn't a fan of, by the way. And I, I, I want something more for all of them, not not just her. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to see some backfill happen. They've got 26 episodes to get it done, so let's get it done. Well, first of all, I have to let you know, 
There are not 26 episodes in this season. There are 20. 20, okay. Because the show was canceled Aha. before they could finish. Interesting. Does that mean there's no end to this show? I waited until the end of this episode to break it to you. Oh. There is no ending. Interesting. I didn't want That's to. That's it. We're done with the podcast. I, Have a good day. I, I know. Bye-bye. I, I didn't. I didn't want to ruin it for the, you. The sweet irony of a. This is a little bit of preamble. Preamble conversation about the podcast we had just got done talking. We did, and about I how I want, hate it when shows I, don't have a freaking end. I know, and I kept my mouth shut <laughs> for two freaking years. I yeah, because I was afraid that if you knew that there was no ending, then. You wouldn't want to go forward with the that's the right. review. No, that's all right. That's all right. But I, I got my vanity episode, so we're good. But I have a plan for that. Oh my! And I will clue you and the rest of our listeners in oh, good. later on down the road. Don't. So definitely keep an eye out on our social media presence for my speculation slash hopes and dreams for season three. And I, I, I I've said it before. I don't remember all of season three. I remember a handful of episodes I want to with use, Johnny Ventura. I want to use my magic gold watch to swing it in front of you and hip- hypnotize all of season <laughs> three from your collective memory so we can experience it together. It, we'll, we'll be experiencing a lot of it together. Okay. Uh, but I will, I will definitely point out the ones that I remember. All right. I remember in our 201, my speculation for season two was the hope of backfill for our characters, mm-hmm. uh, especially after we learned that Jack had a son who was then taken by the occult. I wanted more of that. Mm -hmm. And season two rolls around and we get 26 episodes of nothing Mm -hmm. that talks about that part of Jack Marshak's life. Right, right. And I was a little disappointed where that was concerned. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, nothing fulfilling where Ryan was concerned, where his backstory. Mm -hmm. It seems like they gave the majority of his in, uh, in season one. Season two, we had his working with Clay and the sculpting, and that's how they fooled the witches to revive Mickey. So, I mean, that was that was something that we hadn't seen before. But that's it. I mean, mm-hmm. really, that that's, that's about it. Yeah. And nothing with Mickey. So I, I join you, and I hope that there is more backfill where our characters are concerned. But mostly what I hope is the continuation of solid storytelling because I've noticed – Season two was better than season one. Will season three be better than season two? I would like to hope so. But you and I also know, even though you don't know how it happens, we both know that after episode two of season three, John LeMay is no longer with the show. So Ryan is written out. And by episode three of season three, Johnny Ventura is our new golden boy. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm telling Mike. Oh, good. I want everything else to be a surprise. Except, of course, there's, this show has no end. It's okay, Mike. You'll forget all about that by the time we actually get to the I'll end. I'll just go bury myself inside of Mesmer's bobble for that, another couple of episodes. That's right. I'll be just fine. You will be just fine. <laughs> so, yes, my hopes for season three is that it's as good as the rest of this show, mm. even though there are going to be some major changes. Mm. So much speculation. All kinds of great moments and episodes on the bad side, of course. But then there's also, as always, the Curious Goods of the Curious Goods Podcast. You've now experienced the 301 for the Curious Goods Podcast, and it's time to prep 
for our retelling, our revisit, and a complete educational detailing of each and every episode of Season 3 of Friday the 13th, the series. Will you be there? Of course you will. I'll be there. Yeah, you're going to be there with my pitchfork. (laughs) With your three-pronged pitchfork. Awesome. Perfect. Be sure you go over and check out all of it over at our website at CuriousKidsPodcast.com. Until next time, I'm Mike Wilkerson, one of your hosts. And I'm Nicholas J. Hearn, your other host. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Curious Goods Podcast. We are always interested in learning what you remember about these enchanted items and their tales of reacquisition. Connect with us immediately at CuriousGoodsPodcast.com to share your treasured information. Until the next artifact reveals itself, the vault is now closed. We're also going to be honored to feature John LeMay. For those of you that are curious, yes, that is John DeLeMay from the show. It's Ryan. Yes, pronouncing his last name with a French-Canadian accent, I, I can't, like Roby did. I'm doing that so that we don't get any more hatred email about pr- pronunciations of cities and people. Oh, no, no. It wasn't <laughs> It wasn't his last name. It was uh, DeLeon. Oh, this is my cousin and, and business partner, Ryan DeLeon. You know what we're gonna And then in the very next episode it turns to Dalian. <laughs> you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna ask John exactly what the skinny is on the pronunciation stuff so that we can get our get out of jail free card with all the fun fan base that we love inside this program. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>